0: with us online let me say welcome let me encourage you to let us know that you are with us by commenting in the comment section or some other way but please let us know now let me encourage you to take your Bible whether you have a printed copy like I do or you may have a copy on your phone or tablet or something like that but let me encourage you to hold up your Bible and repeat after me what we believe about this book this is God's Word It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. It is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live. Now, open up your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. We're going to be in chapters 4 and 5 this morning. Uh, The Bible has a lot to say about worship. We are told to worship only the Lord our God because our God is a jealous God. We are told to worship God in his holy splendor, that all the earth should tremble, before him we are told to worship the Lord with gladness that we are to come into his presence with joyful songs and the very last command that we find in the Word of God in Revelation 22 is to worship God now last week we we looked at one of the first things that take place in heaven as the tribulation is beginning on earth and that is The judgment seat of God. The Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. One day, each and every one of us as believers, as Christ's followers, are going to give an account of our lives before the Lord. How we used our lives for His glory. And the Bible says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that the fire will reveal what kind of work we have done. It goes on to say that if our work has value, we will receive rewards. But if our work doesn't have value, we will suffer loss, but we will be saved as by fire. And and so this judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, isn't a judgment to determine our salvation. We are already in heaven at this point. This judgment is to determine the rewards that we receive in heaven. But the judgment seat of Christ isn't the only thing that happens during this time in heaven. The Bible says that as the world is experiencing the wrath of God, those of us who know the Lord are experiencing heavenly worship. Now the truth is, you were created for worship. Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, said this, we bring God glory by worshiping Him. Worship is our first responsibility to God. John Piper, in his book Desiring God, said All of history is moving toward one great goal the white hot worship of God and His Son among all the peoples of the world. And then he went on to say, Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church, worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't we were created to worship God but the amazing thing is the thing that you and I were created to do has been dividing us since the very beginning there are some who believe that that worship should be quiet and solemn there are other people that believe that worship should be celebrative and and loud Uh, There are some people that say that worship is to be formal, it's to be more liturgical, while other people say that worship is to be informal, it's to be more spontaneous. There are some that say all the gifts that are found in 1 Corinthians are to be used in worship today. There are others that say that some of those gifts are no longer relevant for the church. There are some that want to focus on the old. There are others that want to focus on the new. And so the question is, how do we worship? What is the right way, the, the correct way for us to worship? Well, I believe that if we want to discover what authentic worship looks like, then we, the best place for us to look is heaven. And in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, we discover a picture of worship in heaven. And we discover at least four truths about authentic worship. And so that's what I want us to look at this morning. Now here's truth number one. Authentic worship takes place when we are in the Spirit. Authentic worship can only take place when we are in the Spirit. Now listen to what it says in Revelation 4 verses 1 and 2. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit. Now some say that this is describing an out of body experience, much like the apostle Paul experienced in 2 Corinthians. But if you look at other passages, that speak about in the spirit in the book of Revelation and you look about at other passages in the Bible that speak of being in the spirit you discover that it means more than that as a matter of fact when you look at Revelation chapter 1 the very first time that this phrase is used that John is on the island of Patmos it's the Lord's Day it's Sunday and he's worshiping and this is what it says in verse 10 it says it was the Lord's Day and I was worshiping In the spirit and so as John is worshiping the resurrected Lord he is in the spirit worship involves our mind worship involves our body worship involves our emotions worship involves our will but worship is primarily a spiritual experience Warren Wiersbe defined worship this way he said worship is the believers response of all that they are their mind their emotions their will their body to what God says is and does our mind is involved in worship as we discover truths of God's Word our emotions are involved in worship as we respond to those truths with joy with sorrow with awe, and sometimes with fear as we experience the power and the presence of God our bodies Are involved in worship as we use our voices to sing as we use our ears to hear as we use our eyes to see as we use our hands to clap we lift up holy hands to God the Bible says we kneel in submission to God we use our bodies in worship but worship first and foremost is a spiritual experience the truth of the matter is true worship will never take place unless we are in the Spirit. In John chapter 4, Jesus is having a conversation with a Samaritan woman at a well, and and they're talking about God, who God is, and and how we're to worship Him. And in John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus says, God is Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. Now, don't miss that. He says, God is Spirit. And if we want to worship Him, then we must worship Him in the Spirit. The only way that you and I can connect with a spiritual being is to connect on a spiritual level. You see, worship isn't primarily about the building that we're in. It's not about the music that we listen to. It's not about the clothes that we wear. Worship is when your spirit connects with God's Spirit Through the Holy Spirit so the question we need to answer is what does it mean to be in the Spirit because this is a big deal and I believe there are two things biblically that describe being in the Spirit first of all to be in the Spirit we have to be born of the Spirit Jesus talked about this in in John chapter 3 Jesus said I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit humans can produce only human life but the holy spirit gives birth to spiritual life in john chapter 6 jesus said the spirit alone gives eternal life and don't miss that it is only the spirit that can give you eternal life jesus said no one absolutely no one will ever enter god's kingdom without being born of the Spirit you see salvation is not first an intellectual experience though there are things that we must know to be saved and salvation isn't first an emotional experience though when we get saved for many of us it is a very emotional experience the Bible tells us that salvation is first and foremost a spiritual experience it is God's Spirit coming to live in us the Bible says in in the book of John that when the Holy Spirit comes he will convict us of our sin he will convict us of a need for righteousness that comes only through Jesus and he will convict us that there is a judgment to come and so let me ask you Have you ever come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit? And if you have, have you responded to that conviction by receiving Jesus? This is not just important to worship. This is important to life and eternal life. You will never experience life in heaven unless you have been born again. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. You can know all the facts you can have an emotional experience but unless you have been born again you are not a child of God so being in the spirit means first of all I've been born of the spirit and then second it means that we are filled with the spirit in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 the apostle Paul said this he said don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life instead Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's several things you need to understand about being filled with the Spirit. First of all, if I'm going to be filled with one thing, I have to be emptied of everything else. So, being filled with the Spirit means, first of all, I'm emptying myself of me. My desires, my wants, my wishes, and I'm allowing the Spirit to be in me. Let me give you an example. If I want a glass of ice cold Pepsi, the first thing I need to do, if I have a glass that's in the in the kitchen on the counter, and it's half filled with tea, if I want a glass of ice cold Pepsi, first of all, I need to empty out that old tea, because if I don't, I'm going to have some combination of tea and Pepsi, and I think that's probably nasty. <laughs> you see, I have to empty the glass of one thing to be filled with something else, or let me give you another illustration you you like coffee and suppose you want a coffee cup filled with coffee well if you want it filled with coffee you can't put cream in it you can't put sugar in it because if you put cream or sugar in the coffee it's not just coffee in the cup it's coffee and cream and sugar and you may like coffee with cream and sugar that's okay but you don't have a coffee cup filled with coffee you have to empty the cup of everything Else, first of all and so if I'm gonna be filled with the Spirit I have to empty myself of me but then I have to be filled with God and what that means is I'm giving everything I know of myself to everything I know of God now when I got saved I was just a young boy I didn't know everything about God there were a lot of things I didn't know about God but everything I knew about God I, I I gave myself to everything I knew about God and I gave everything of myself I knew about God I didn't know everything about me I I didn't know all the things I would go through I didn't know all the situations I would face I didn't know all of the circumstances I would go through I didn't know everything about me but when I gave my life to Jesus I gave everything I knew about me to everything I knew about God and when we're saved we're doing that you can't be saved and hold things back You say, I want to get saved, but I'm going to want to continue in my my sinful, sexual life. Well, you can't do that. I want to be saved, but I want to hold on to my greed and my selfishness. Well, you, you can't do that. I mean, when you're getting saved, you're giving everything you know of you to everything you know about God. But here's the problem. The longer we live with the Lord, the easier it is for the things of this world to creep back into our life. Would you agree with me there? I mean, the things of this world just creep back in. And we begin to long for the things of the world, and we begin to long for this world. And so that's why God's Word gives us a command. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't long for this world. Rather, be filled with the Spirit of God. It's a command, but it's a choice that we have to make. So how are we filled with the Spirit? Well, first of all, daily, every day, We get up and Lord we go everything that I have is yours everything you want me to do I want to do I am surrendering totally completely to your wants your will your way in my life if you want to be filled you've got to do that and so when you're born of the Spirit you're filled with the Spirit the Holy Spirit begins to control your life and at that point true worship can happen because worship is a spiritual experience You see, when we are in the Spirit, our Spirit connects with God's Spirit. And the natural result is worship. So authentic worship begins when we are in the Spirit. We are born of the Spirit. Only believers can worship. You say, anybody can worship. No, only believers can worship. And only Spirit-filled believers will authentically worship. Here's the second thing we discover here. Authentic worship focuses on the one on the throne. The latter part of Revelation 4 verse 2 says, And I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. Now, in the first part of Revelation 4, John is trying to describe describe God. And and he describes God with, with the brilliance of costly jewels and with the power of thunder and lightning, and with the mercy and grace of the rainbow. I mean, he's just trying his best to describe this indescribable God. But the most important thing that John sees as he's describing God is the throne. Understand, we'll never experience true worship until we understand God is on the throne. In Revelation 4 and 5, that word throne is found seven times. 17 times 17 times in two chapters but what's amazing is every time that a human being gets a glimpse of heaven God is on his throne uh, the first time we see that is in first Kings chapter 22 verse 19 Micaiah is a prophet and he has his vision that he is given to Ahab who is the king and this is what it says it says I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the host of heaven standing around him on his right and on his left. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, Isaiah is in the temple and he's worshiping. And this is what he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. In Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel sees heaven opened up and he gets a glimpse of heaven. And in verse 26, it says, above the expanse, over their heads, was what looked like a throne of sapphire. And high above that throne was a figure like that of a man. And and then in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, Daniel says, as I look, thrones were set in place. And we know that the Bible teaches that we will sit on thrones, ruling and reigning with the Lord one day. Thrones were set in place. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was as white as wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. From the very beginning that human beings get this glimpse of heaven, the throne is central. So here's the bottom line. There is no authentic worship without God on the throne. But here's the problem. More often than we would like to admit, we don't like God on the throne. We want to be on the throne. Now, I don't want you to say amen there, but every one of us would have to agree with that. We want to be on the throne of our life. At the core of our sinful being is our desire to sit on the throne. We see this in Satan. When he rebelled against God, he said, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. We see this with Adam and Eve. Satan told them that you can be just like God. You can call your own shots. You can sit on the throne. And they um, rebelled against God. And we see this every time we look in the mirror. We want to call the shots, we want to be in control, we want to get our way, we want to sit on the throne, we want to live life our way, not God's way. But listen, you're not on the throne, God is. And because God is on the throne, there are three things that we need to know about our worship. First of all, He is the focus of worship, not us. Because God is on the throne, He's the focus of worship. Worship isn't about me. Worship isn't about you. Worship is about the one who sits on the throne. What that means is worship isn't for your benefit. So when you go to church and you leave church and you go, I didn't get anything out of it today, you've missed the point. Because worship isn't about you. Worship is about God. It's not fundamentally about what you want, what you like, your desires, your preferences. It's about what pleases the one who sits on the throne. So what that means is when we get caught up in the music style, the dress, the architecture of a building, we're focusing on our wants, not his wants. Now I want you to listen. There's nothing wrong with Having preferences there's nothing wrong with liking certain styles of music that's okay there's nothing wrong with feeling better when you dress a certain way in worship that's okay there's nothing wrong with with having songs that make you feel close to God all of that is okay but the problem comes when that begins to drive us when we think that worship is about pleasing us because it's not the audience in worship is not you. The audience in worship is God. Think of it this way suppose the President of the United States is gonna come and visit Northside Christian Academy, and the chorus at Northside Christian Academy wants to sing some of the President's favorite songs to honor him. And and so they write the president's office and they get a list of his favorite songs and they prepare those songs and and the president's here and we're all here and we've got this place packed out and the chorus at Northside Christian Academy is singing the president's favorite songs and you're sitting there going, I don't like that song. That's tough. It's not about you. It's about honoring the president who is visiting with us. And when we gather together to worship it's not about you it's not about what song you like it's not about how long you want the service to be it's not about how we dress it's not about whether we have pews or or chairs or whatever else it's about the one who is sitting on the throne But the problem is our consumeristic, me-focused culture has moved the focus off of God and on to us. But listen, when you come here, you're not coming to be entertained. You're coming to worship the one who is on the throne. Uh, So because he's on the throne, it's not about us, it's about him. Second, because he is on the throne, our worship flows out of a spirit of humility. You see, the throne of God should take us to in our knees in humility before God. Worship flows out of humility, not spiritual pride. When you enter the throne room of almighty God, you realize he's God, you're not. And that should take you to your knees. Hebrews tells us that we can approach the throne of God boldly. Because of his grace but understand there is a big difference in approaching God's throne boldly because of his mercy and grace and approaching God's throne boldly because of spiritual pride and arrogance in our life the Bible says God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble and I think the pride that he resists the most is spiritual pride it was pride that caused Lucifer, Satan, to be kicked out out of heaven. As you read Isaiah, where he's getting kicked out of heaven, seven times Isaiah says, I, or Satan says, I will, I will, I will, I will. But it wasn't about him. He, he was, many people believe, I believe, he was the heavenly worship leader. But he was kicked out of heaven because it was all about him, he thought. So what is humility? Well, humility isn't thinking, less of yourself humility is thinking of yourself less don't miss that humility isn't thinking less of yourself I'm no good I'm awful I don't can't do anything humility is thinking of yourself less you see when you take your mind off of you and you focus your mind on God the natural result will be humility So because God is on the throne, worship is not about you, it's about Him. Because God is on the throne, we worship Him with humility. And then third, because God is on the throne, worship acknowledges God's rule and reign in our life. You see, the one who sits on the throne rules over heaven and earth and all creation. And so worship is about submitting, surrendering to the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. The heart of worship, hear me. Is surrender that's what it says in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God this is your spiritual act of worship what is your act of worship sacrificing yourself surrendering yourself to him But the problem is, who wants to surrender? Who wants to give up? But that's the only wise thing to do. That's the focus of worship. We can sing to the top of our lungs. We can clap. We can say amen. We can say hallelujah. But in the end, if we haven't submitted and surrendered to the will and the word of God, we haven't worshiped. The throne of God compels us to surrender completely to who He is and His will for our life. So when we come to the end of our worship services together, we always ask you to surrender because that's what worship is all about. And so have you surrendered? I mean, have you surrendered your sexuality, your sexual choices? Have you surrendered your finances? Have you surrendered your career? Have you surrendered your relationships? Because here's what I know. Until you surrender all of it to the Lord, you're not involved in true worship. Authentic worship. So authentic worship begins when we are in the Spirit. Authentic worship continues as we focus on the one on the throne, recognizing he's on the throne, we're not. Third, Authentic worship is filled with praise. The psalmist says that we enter God's presence with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. He tells us that, that God inhabits the praise of His people. And in Revelation chapter 4 verse 6, we're introduced to these creatures, these beasts. Ezekiel talks about them too, and, and they are wild-looking beings. And as you read it, you wonder, why in the world create beings that look like this? And the reason he created them was for his glory and his honor. And we discover as we read that these beings that God created, some people say that these are cherubim, these beings beings that God created, they are beings that focus entirely on the praise of God. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, it says, day after day and night after night night they keep on saying holy 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 is the Lord the God the Almighty the one who was always is and who is still to come these angelic beings were created to praise God and they praised God day and night, 24-7, seven days a week. And the Bible says that whenever they broke out in praise, which was at forever, the 24 elders, which represents the redeemed, would fall down and begin to worship. And so it just seems like in heaven we're just worshiping and praising God forever and ever. And then in chapter five, we're introduced to the Lion of Judah. The Lamb of God who is able to take the scroll and open the seals. Now we're going to talk about these seals beginning next week because these seals uh, represent the judgment of God. So we're going to talk about this and we're going to look at the four seal judgments. But I want you to listen to what it says about the Lamb of God who is able to take the scroll. In verse 8 of chapter 5 it says, And when he took the scroll the four living beings the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense which are the prayers of God's people and they sang the new song with these words you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it for you were slaughtered and your blood is ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God and they will reign on earth forever So here's these these beings and the elders, the the redeemed of, of all ages who are praising God with harps and they're singing new songs. And then in verse 11 it says, Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever and the four living beings said amen and the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the Lamb every living being in heaven on earth under the earth in the seas are praising God can I get an amen because that's what we are going to be doing far ever praising God and oh listen dear friends if we're going to be doing that in heaven for all eternity then shouldn't we getting, be getting prepared right now so it's not about I don't like the lyrics of that song if the song lifts up Jesus love it I don't like the beat of that song Well, do like I do and just sing off beat at times I mean, there are times that we're singing, and, and David's stopping, and the praise team's stopping, and I keep going. That's okay. God likes it because I'm just praising Him. And God wants you to praise Him. So authentic worship means that I'm in the Spirit. Authentic worship means I'm recognizing who is on the throne, and it's about Him. Authentic worship involves praise. And finally, authentic worship involves giving. Go back to chapter 4, verse 10. It says the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, and they lay their crowns before the throne. Authentic worship involves giving. First of all, they give themselves to God. They bow down before him, giving themselves. Have you ever wondered why when a man proposes to a woman, oftentimes he gets on his knee before her? the reason for that is is because symbolically the man is giving himself to the woman he's getting on his knee giving himself to her and when we bow down before god we're giving ourselves to him everything we know about us to everything we know about him and as we discover more about him we give more of ourselves to him so worship involves giving ourselves and worship involves giving our valuables they lay their crowns before him now remember they're already in heaven uh, the only thing that they have of value other than themselves is the crowns and and we talked last week remember that these are crowns that we receive at the judgment seat of Christ but, but the elders the 24 elders the redeemed they don't hold on to these crowns and wear them, you know, as this source of pride, saying, Look at me, look what I earned, look what the Lord gave me. No, they bring anything they have a value, everything they have a value, the crowns that God has given them, and they give them back to Him. You see, when we worship, we give ourselves. When we worship, we give everything that we have a value back to him we hold nothing back we realize every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God and and therefore we want to give back to God now here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 he's teaching his disciples to pray and one of the things that he says is that we should pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth where we are as it's being done in heaven as it will be done in heaven and so the way that it's done in heaven should be the way that we seek to do it here on earth amen and so if they worship this way in heaven in the spirit surrendering submitting to the one on the throne because he is on the throne it's about him praising him with all of our might giving him ourself and our valuables then shouldn't we do that here on earth that's the way that we worship but here's the key you're never going to be worshiping until you're in the spirit and you're never going to be in the spirit unless you're born of the spirit and so may i ask you are you born of the spirit has god's spirit come to live in your life have you been convicted of your sin your need for righteousness that can only come Through Jesus and the judgment that is to come have you been and have you responded to that conviction by surrendering your life to Jesus as your Savior and your Lord if you haven't and right now you know that you need to and you want to then I want to give you that opportunity so I want you to bow your head with me close your eyes with me with your head bowed with your eyes closed if you're here and you've not given your life to Jesus You've not been born again, and you're ready to do that. Let me encourage you to pray these words to the Lord with me. Dear God, I humbly come to you today acknowledging that I'm a sinner. I've been desiring to sit on the throne, to be my own boss. I'm sorry. I don't want to live that way anymore. I realize you're on the throne Jesus, I believe that you came to earth. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave, defeating sin and death for me. Right here, I'm trusting you to save me. Right here, I'm giving my life to you. Fill me with your spirit. Take Control of my life. From this moment on, Jesus, I want to follow you. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen.